One of Vin Wisdom's most listened to episodes started with a riddle back in season one. So I'd like to share another one with you if you don't mind. On a fine sunny day, a ship was in the harbor and all of a sudden the ship began to sink. There was no storm and nothing wrong with the ship, yet it sank right in front of the spectator's eyes. What caused the ship to sink? There are two answers to this riddle. One is the response intended by its authors, and the second is far more applicable to your own psyche. We're going to explore what can potentially sink your ship when it comes to your financial decision making, today on Finn Wisdom. Hello, I'm your host Joel, and thanks for joining me in this season's final episode of Finn Wisdom. And today's title is Anchors Away. So today's intro riddle was a bit shorter than the one I offered up in season one, but it has a more meaningful connection in terms of our discussion today in what is sinking your personal decisions. I've lived in Manhattan for well over two decades. The next downtown local six train to Brooklyn Bridge City Hall will arrive. And during my travels, you come across many people who have visited New York City at one time or another, whether it was for business, for family, or for fun. What's intriguing is the diverse descriptions of their experiences each person had while there. And I'm sure that when asked, what should one do when planning a visit to the Big Apple? you are going to receive widely different responses. They may mention some must-see exhibits, like recognizable artwork at the M.C. Escher Experience in Brooklyn, or the Broadway production of Guys and Dolls. Maybe it's a famous restaurant like the Second Avenue Deli, or going shopping at Century 21 near Ground Zero. Or perhaps you're a lover of Latin music and talk up the Copacabana in Hell's Kitchen. So I have to ask, do any or all of these mentionables sound familiar to you? Well, guess what? If you took up your friend's advice to see any of these places, all I can tell you is that you will be spending more time walking the streets of New York than you would have ever planned, and quite disappointed. That's because every single one of these venues have moved location or is now closed. The M.C. Escher Experience? That was a temporary exhibit for less than a year. That closed back in early 2019. Guys and Dolls? I saw a production back in the 90s and another around 2010, but you aren't going to find it on Broadway at this very moment. The Second Avenue Deli? They aren't even on Second Avenue anymore. They're on 3rd Avenue and 33rd Street, and as far as the shopping spree at Century 21 or grooving to Latin tunes at the Copacabana, they're both victims of the recent pandemic and no longer open for business. My point is your advice giving and decision making are impacted by what is called the anchoring effect. This is our tendency to rely heavily on our personal experiences or static information which in turn can distort our ability to derive optimal solutions. In fact, 
Some of those decisions are not merely distorted. They can take us down a path that is completely in the opposite direction. Okay, maybe you're someone who prefers to do your own research. And maybe you're simply on the hunt for a great place to dine. And so you explore the web, looking for the top 10 restaurants in a given city, and there they pop up. That was easy, right? Now you start reading the reviews, you narrow your choices, and make reservations. Well, I gotta tell you, you just went through several levels of anchoring without even knowing it. Shall we go through them? So for starters, how do you know the source of this ranking isn't paid to promote those top 10, or even the criteria that was used to score them? Or are they the opinions of an author? Regardless, now those top 10 restaurants have been planted in your brain and you will compare all others to them. That's anchor number one. You invested time in reading the reviews. You will now set your expectations for each restaurant on those opinions and the food needs to live up to those opinions. That's anchor number two. And those reviews are based on other people's experiences, based on other people's anchors. What do I mean by that? Let's say someone raves about a restaurant as the best dining experience ever. What are they basing their opinions on? Do they have the same taste buds or passion for certain types of food as you do? Would you value the opinion less if you learned the reviewer mostly ate fast food, so just about any true sit-down restaurant is a fancy feast in their eyes? That's anchor number three. And here's a fourth one to blow your mind. Just the fact of seeking information online to learn what others think are the best places to chow down or to help you make a decision about any interest that you may have is going to establish an anchor. But I also want to make an important point. Anchoring is almost unavoidable. In fact, it is a key component of heuristics. Does that term sound familiar to you? We discussed it in the first episode of this season entitled Temper Tantrums. As a reminder, heuristics are the necessary shortcuts we use in our mind to help us make choices. They come in the forms of our own experiences, the influences we gain from others, and the relevant facts and opinions we discover on our own, all of which equate to leveraging emotions and all of which can potentially become anchors. Anchoring also plays a huge role in our financial decision-making. Let's talk about that right after this message about our sponsor. Hi everyone, I just wanted to take this minute to personally thank my sponsor, DNA Behavior, for their support of Finn Wisdom. Anyone listening to this podcast understands the influences behavior has on relationships between employers and employees and employees with clients. And intensified behaviors caused by unmanaged human differences, money attitudes, pressure, and emotions can potentially derail performance of your team and your organization. So to improve your organization's ability to communicate, increase its probability of success, and to improve client engagement, Well, that's where DNA behavior comes into the picture. Intuition is great, but it doesn't measure behavior, particularly in this virtual world, but DNA behaviors tech solutions do. So explore the behavioral insights 
that have enhanced over 31 million relationships worldwide, accelerating human performance with every connection. Visit dnabehavior.com to learn how their proactive approach can take your organization to the next level. And now it's time to continue with today's episode, Anchors Away. A study of this cognitive bias was conducted by Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky. Now, if those names sound familiar, it's because they were also mentioned in the episode Temper Tantrums at the start of this season and their groundbreaking work on loss aversion. So a group of participants were asked to estimate the answer to a multiplication problem, and I would like you to try to solve it too, which was to solve for 1 times 2 times 3 times 4 times 5 times 6 times 7 times 8. Once again, that's 1 times 2 times 3 times 4 times 5 times 6 times 7 times 8. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to give you 5 seconds. Do you have a guesstimate? I can tell you that the median response turned out to be 512. Was your answer around there? So now for the second part of the experiment. When they transposed the sequence and asked participants in the study to solve for 8 times 7 times 6 times 5 times 4 times 3 times 2 times 1, the median response interestingly increased to 2,250. The correct answer, by the way, is 40,320. I'm not trying to test your math skills. The point of this is that we tend to anchor our decisions based on sequence of numbers. So if the number starts high, our results will be higher, and vice versa. This pattern of responses and anchoring has been proven in a variety of forms. For example, I could show you a spinning wheel numbered 1 to 100 and show you that the number 10 kept on popping up more frequently than any other number. Now, if I asked you to make a decision thereafter, let's say how many jelly beans are in a jelly jar, you would probably give a number relatively lower than the average. Turn things around, and if I happen to show you a spinning wheel with the number 90 keep popping up, and then again ask you to make a decision in terms of how many jelly beans are in the jelly jar, chances are your estimate would be higher than the average. There are so many places to begin to discuss where anchoring is embedded in our decision making when it comes to our money. So how about I start somewhere where it's a little more personal. Let's say you're in the mood for a simple bowl of your favorite brand of cornflakes and you realize that you're out of milk and you are out of your favorite cereal too. And this hunt in the cupboards and fridge also makes you aware that you're running low on all sorts of staple foods in your home. And your significant other or roommate or family member says, fear not, I'll go grocery shopping a little later in the day. Now isn't that great? One less thing to worry about. So later in the day, this incredibly supportive person comes home with bags of groceries and are gloating and go into this whole rant about how they stayed within budget and saved $25 by selecting sale items. They feel like a hero to you for running the time-consuming errand and the successful use of money. And as you unload items out of the bags, you see veggies, proteins, cheeses, chips, fruits, and cereal and milk, of course. 
But there's an issue. Uh-oh. This isn't your favorite brand of cornflakes, and the milk is low-fat, where you normally use non-fat. Now you turn to this person with a sense of confusion, maybe disappointment or frustration, and say, What the heck is this? Why didn't you buy me my cereal and milk? And they look back confused and said, I did. These cornflakes were on sale and the low-fat milk has a longer shelf life. I thought you would be proud of me for my efficient use of our budget. I'm not going to continue where this goes because it could get ugly. But this scenario is a result of anchoring. You had a set expectation, or should I say anchoring behavior, and were disappointed because it was not what you anticipated to receive. It was efficient use of your budget money, but yet you were left unsatisfied. And while we are on this concept of saving money and sales, I cannot resist but to hone in on this more. From buying cereal, to buying a dress, to buying a car, a home, a vacation, gosh, just about anything. We don't feel good if we pay full price, do we? It is all about how much we saved. Since we all love taking vacations, how about I use it as an illustrative point? Let's say you're interested in taking a trip to Hilton Head, South Carolina for a long weekend. Known for its Atlantic beaches and golfing and more. And so, staying in a hotel or bed and breakfast, looking over the water in steps from the shoreline, or one with a complete spa or a combination, would be ideal. And after conducting some research, you get the choices down to just two places. Now, one of the results is a resort right smack on the beach, balconies looking over the ocean, and a popular spa. It's stunning. Definitely an upscale experience. It goes for $800 a night. It's kind of steep. The other is an equally nice resort with two exceptions. It is a block away from the shoreline with a particularly obstructive view of the ocean and no spa. However, it costs $300 a night. The plan is to stay in Hilton Head for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night and leaving on Monday. So the cost of the first hotel is $2,400 before taxes and fees. The second choice, while not as luxurious, but still quite nice with a free breakfast in the mornings, will cost you $900. Which will you reserve? Now, I'm sure some people listening may find it worthy to spend the extra for all the extras, but I'm guessing the majority of you would keep the $1,500 price difference in your wallet and settle on a partially obstructed view. But what if you receive an offer from the luxury hotel on the water with a 25% discount? Wow, you almost never see that. You would be saving $600. Does that change your mind? Yet that is still $1,000 more expensive, but you feel good about how much you saved. It's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. That feel-good moment is derived from anchoring the value of the luxury hotel at full price and the discounted amount you are willing to pay. This phenomenon also occurs with many consumer products. You may really love that dress, but there is no way you are going to buy it unless it's on sale. That new smartphone is over $1,000, but with a manufacturer's discount and a trade-in, You'll splurge because of the cost savings, yet you would save more if you took a similar model with a little less tech functionality. 
Or how about when you get $2,000 off the sticker price of a new car? Now there's a score. And let's say you were interested in purchasing a new home that had an estimated value of $500,000 according to online sources. So you offer $490,000 and get it. So now you feel like you saved $10,000. In each and every scenario, it's a starting price point that creates an anchor. I'd like to now go back to our Hilton Head vacation and change the scenario because anchoring bias can occur in another form. Let's say after narrowing down our selections to those two hotels, we now discover a third option. So the same two options are still available. The luxury hotel by the waterline with a fancy spa and amenities for $800 a night. Or the other decent resort with somewhat similar amenities but has no beachfront access but has a free breakfast for $300 a night. So now there's this third option and it's very similar to the first. In fact, a near carbon copy experience of that luxury hotel awaits you. But it's about a quarter of the mile up the shoreline and its price tag is $200 cheaper. It's $600 a night. If I were to take a poll, and if I were to assume what I know about behavior, a great many of you would choose the luxury hotel experience just a little further up the road. This example lines to the findings of Dan Ariely when comparing items more similar than different. That name may sound familiar to you. I've mentioned Dan in several episodes. And he's also a very well-respected behavioralist whose work is often cited in the field of behavioral economics. So in this particular study, he investigated the power of relativity by asking participants to choose between three choices of houses for sale. Now in the study, there are a few more details regarding the houses, but in essence, participants had to choose between a contemporary home a colonial home with a good roof, and a colonial home with a bad roof. Those asked to select from the three were more likely to pick the colonial home with a good roof. And basically, that's because we not only tend to compare things with one another, but also tend to focus on comparing things that are much more easily compared. In this case, a colonial home with a good roof versus a bad roof. And avoid comparing things that have larger contrasts, like comparing the colonial home with a contemporary home. I would argue that this theory around relativity is also another way that we create anchors. I think it's time we conclude this episode with a few useful tips, right after this message about our sponsor. If you're someone like me, You always appreciate a good self-help book that is engaging, improves your attitude, helps you tune into your goals. And if you're someone who desires to harness and manage unique differences in people to create a dynamic people culture, I strongly recommend picking up a copy of the award-winning book, Leadership Behavior DNA. It's written by Lee Ellis and Hugh Massey. It's available on Amazon for purchase or visit dnabehavior.com. And while there, you can even take a free test that will determine your personal behavioral style. Learn how the proactive approach can take your organization to the next level. That's DNA, 
B-E-H-A-V-I-O-R.com. And now, some final thoughts. Anchoring is one of the most common behavioral risks in managing our money. That's because it is tethered to so many other biases such as loss aversion, recency biases, groupthink, experiential biases, relativity, and more. If you think about it, once we manifest a bias, we anchor to experiences and influences that impact our financial decision-making process. And now for the tips. 1. The first step to reducing the anchoring effect is to acknowledge the bias. And if you're listening to me today and continue to listen to Finn Wisdom, then congratulations because you have been taking the first step to reducing the impact of various behaviors on your ability to manage your money. 2. Improve your sources of anchors by changing the way you conduct research. Instead of searching for commonality, seek out as many diverse views about the topic to expand your knowledge. This will also help counteract another effect known as confirmation bias, where you gravitate to finding opinions that confirm your initial belief or anchor about a topic. 3. Put a price tag on what you want to buy before you go shopping. In other words, establish your own anchor. Knowing how much you are willing to pay for an item or service reduces the impact of the sales game. So regardless if that dress or sleek AirPods case or beautiful bathroom tiling is on sale, if the price is below the amount you are willing to spend, maybe you should consider the purchase regardless if it is on sale or not. Now you may argue, but Joelle, what if I do a hunt for a lower price once I set my limit? Well then I'm going to say that you lied to yourself and you have not set the true limit. The point is to set a real price that is acceptable. It may be lower than the retail price and therefore it may take a sale to reach your tipping point, but you are not lured by a sale. 4. This last one shocks me because I cannot believe I have not seen anyone make this recommendation. But to reduce irrational anchoring, you need to understand your own behavioral style when it comes to you and your money. I say this because your anchors are rooted in your emotional connections to setting expectations and the levels of satisfaction you will derive from your purchases, savings, and investments. And I think this is a perfect lead-in to revisit the riddle that began today's episode and provide a solution. Let me repeat it to stir up your memory. On a fine sunny day, a ship was in the harbor. All of a sudden, the ship began to sink. There was no storm and nothing wrong with the ship, yet it sank right in front of the spectator's eyes. What caused the ship to sink? The traditional answer is a submarine. But metaphorically, the answer is yourself. When you weigh down your financial decision-making with too many anchors. As a copyright reminder, written permission is required to use any of the content shared. Any views expressed are my own and are not the opinion of any entity unless otherwise mentioned during the program. And since we are critical thinking creatures, these opinions are subject to change. For financial advice, consider consulting a licensed financial professional.
and make sure to watch your inbox for the next exciting episode of Finn Wisdom.